Hello everybody, I'm Matt Mikuchi and you are listening to Jazz's Travel. Everybody, Jazz is online editor Matt Mikuchi here, welcoming you to a new episode of Jazz is Travel. This is a podcast series that explores jazz and creative music in all four corners of the globe, touching on cross-cultural projects, different music traditions, and more through conversations with or about groundbreaking, innovative, and visionary artists. For over a decade, Sonny Singh has brought his fiery trumpet and lead vocals to audiences around the world with his acclaimed group Red Barat. Now, he has released his debut solo record called Chardi Kala after the sick concept of revolutionary eternal optimism. Chardi Kala finds Sonny Singh pushing the boundaries of Sikh Kirtan and South Asian spiritual music. It is also a response to these tumultuous times, but an uplifting album that on this very podcast he defines as a type of autobiography, an embodiment of the many spiritual, political and aesthetic elements that have shaped him on an artistic and personal level. Without further ado, fire up an audiotini and listen to the audio waves as they fly through the air. Here is our conversation with Sonny Singh. Hello, Sonny. Welcome to Jazz's Travel. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure, Sonny, and thank you for taking the time to chat uh, about your latest solo project and your creative life in general, and especially today because uh, we were kind of, uh, you know, sending each other emails, and I understand that you've been on the road lately uh, playing mm-hmm. shows. Uh, yes. So that's always great to hear. What's it been like uh, getting back to it after all the lockdowns? It feels so good. I mean, just, you know, there's certain things uh, like conversations like this that work well, uh, you know, through through video chat or uh, on the phone. And there's just no replacement for live music just to just to feel connected to audiences in, in real time again has been has been really special. Yes, absolutely. As an audience member, I must admit that, you know, there's, it's just nothing like it, you know, uh, there's nothing like it at all. And Sonny, I'm excited to talk uh, a bit about your journey first. And, you know, this is the first time we talk. So I always like to begin with an icebreaker question. <laughs> sure. It's kind of a broad question, but, uh, you know, 
that's what icebreaker questions are for, I guess. But um, what is your earliest memory, an early memory that you have of when music entered your life? I, for me, I think it would have to be in the Sikh devotional uh, context. Um, mm. So Sikhism is the the faith uh, community that I'm part of and that I and that I grew up in. And music is really central to the way that we that we worship and that we come together as a as a community. Um, so I, I definitely remember being a very very young child, maybe you know a, a little bit older than a baby, whenever memories uh, first first start, um, perhaps as a toddler, um, and and uh, and and watching musicians at the Gurdwara, which is a Sikh house of worship, uh, play harmonium, sing, uh, and play tabla, which are which are uh, South Asian sort of hand drums, uh, and being very transfixed. Uh, by by it, um, and that incidentally became the first music I ever really played as well. Uh, like a lot of sick kids um, who grow up, uh, we we learn like basic uh, basic shabads, which are sick devotional uh, songs or poems um, on these, usually on these instruments, uh, harmonium and and tabla. And so when I was just a few years old, I started dabbling in that, just because that's what most sick kids uh, did. Um, and my mom uh, tells me that. When I was really, really young, when I'd be at the Gurdwara, I'd be sort of uh, playing the tabla on my knees, like slamming my hands on my knees. So I was always really kind of drawn to the to the rhythm. Um, that seems what what first drew me in. Uh, but yeah. was there a time when you found yourself maybe uh, you know getting away a little bit from the spiritual side of things uh, as you were perhaps growing up and uh, you know uh, in, during your formative years because. Uh, yeah. Certainly, uh, you showcase that side in your uh, new solo project. But what has spirituality been like, or you know, your connection to it in the course of your journey? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, the new record is definitely a return to that sort of first musical outlet for for myself. Um, but uh, the the return to it after a few decades of of not really seriously diving into I guess I guess you could say explicitly spiritual music, um, but I, but I would say for me, music is is always spiritual in that uh, it, it's a it's a form of expression and grounding uh, that's always been there for me um, and and for us I think more more broadly some folks might not call it spiritual but there is that that sense of energy that sense of connection uh, in music. Uh, that that it can be sort of a meditation, right? Um, to to help us cope with uh, the difficult things in life, uh, and, and and celebrate the beautiful things in life, right? Um, for yeah. me, I, I'm someone uh, you know who grew up as the child of immigrants in the United States, um, wearing a turban with brown skin. And, you know, I experienced a whole lot of, of racism in the form of bullying and harassment primarily. Uh, and music was was what was there for me, right, to help. I, I didn't have the language to to analyze these systems of oppression and white supremacy that I was experiencing. Right. But but I did have music as as an outlet, as a as a sort of coping mechanism. And, and to me, that is a that is always a spiritual thing. Um, you know, blowing air through my trumpet, uh, playing long tones, uh, playing whatever form of music uh, that I have played in, in, in my various uh, years as a musician, um, that there's always been a spiritual side to it. But I think sometimes it was more, it was more subtle, right? Um, so I played a lot of different styles of music. My The first band I ever started uh, when I was 17 years old was a ska band. Um, I played in rock bands. You know, I played a lot of different styles of music. While I was listening to your record earlier and just listening to, you know, your music earlier, the, the, the music that you put out with Red Barat and um, and all of that, I, because of the raw energy of it and the way that you play the trumpet, I, I kind of tried to imagine 
if a person who had never heard the sound of a trumpet somehow approached you and asked you to describe what a trumpet sounded like, how uh, do you think you'd go about that? Oh, that's really interesting. I mean, I I think uh, every trumpet player really has their own their own sound. Um, mm. And for me, it's it's just about resonance. You know, it, it's about that. Uh, I don't know. For for me, the, the the sound that I aim to make out of my trumpet is sort of like almost an extension of my voice or extension of my body, right? Um, so, uh, so for, you know, you, and maybe you heard this in my style of playing. For me, my, my mode of playing trumpet is not about like how many notes I can play, um, or how high I can play or how loud I can play, but really just the, the sort of quality and, and richness, uh, and mm. warmth of the tone and the sound. Uh, and so for me, that resonance is really the heart of, of, of my expression on a trumpet, right? But if you ask me to ex uh, explain, you know, Dizzy Gillespie sound or or Maynard Ferguson sound, right? Or all these all these different trumpet players with much sort of like brighter, uh, higher pitched, you know, uh, kind of sound. It's like a totally different instrument, right? Um, and and that's a beautiful thing about uh, about instruments is it's not it's really not uh, just one thing. It's kind of fun. the reason why I asked you that is because we talked about some of uh, the spiritual side of your music and then, of course, the aesthetic side. But uh, uh, when it comes to your album, for example, Chardi Kala, uh, there's a re very real aspect to it, uh, which refers to the tumultuousness of the times that we have been living in and the political discourse that we kind of men talked about a little bit previously yeah. uh so with all that's happened recently in the world was there what were some of the events that were somehow in your mind uh when you were working on this project yeah um yeah i started working on it uh pre-pandemic really like the winter mm. uh of 2018 leading into 2019 um and honestly it was coming from a place of feeling a lot of despair uh at what was going on in so many parts of the world uh, you know, kind of in the middle of the Trump administration um, and and seeing uh, how somehow popular he continued to be and, and really seeing this uh, rise of very explicit uh, white nationalism, white supremacy in the United States, which of course has always been there, but uh, just became, seemed to be becoming louder and and more in, in, in the mainstream. Uh, and then seeing that as a reflection of uh, what was happening in a lot of parts of the world, right? This sort of glo uh, growing rise of of authoritarianism, um, right-wing fascism in, in many parts of the world, right? Uh, Bolsonaro was just elected in Brazil, right? And so hmm. in, 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 this, in these feelings of desperation, I found myself um, pulling my old harmonium back out and, and, uh, and, and sort of relearning these sick devotional songs, these shabads that I learned when I was a kid, uh, honestly, as like a coping mechanism, right? Like as a just uh, trying to ground myself, trying to uh, trying to find some hope in in these times, uh, and and the the poetry right of, of of these devotional songs was written hundreds of years ago, but uh, still resonates so deeply with me and with so many of us today. Right, ultimately, really about uh, about tearing down boundaries between human beings. Right, these artificial boundaries that that we create, um, and and really centering uh, love and unity um, and 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 social justice. Um, and and I found it very uh, very 
very moving to dig back into this tradition, right? That has sort of been bubbling beneath the surface of who I am as a musician for mm-hmm. a few decades, but but I hadn't really revisited. Um, and so really quickly, I started I, I started just making videos of myself playing multiple different instruments and sort of layering different harmonies and, and trumpets with these old devotional songs um, and and posting them up on on social media. And uh, people were also really really deeply moved. Um, and so I think one that that sort of feedback loop uh, led me to uh, continue on that path and eventually start uh, writing my own compositions, um, many of which centered these devotional, sick devotional texts. Um, and one thing led to another. And, and within a few months, um, I was uh, making plans to get into the studio and start uh, recording recording uh, this music for real. Did it got a The music you are hearing just now is from Chardi Kala, the debut solo album by Sonny Singh. The new album represents a return for the artist to his early Punjabi and Sikh roots, as seen now through the lens of his experiences as a touring musician, educator and activist. Chardi Kala was recorded and released independently without any institutional or label backing and it's available now, waiting to be discovered. But for now, Let's get back to our Jazz's travel conversation with Sonny Singh. That's interesting because when we talk about uh, the violence that was occurring, then I listen to your album and so much of it is hopeful. There's so much joy in there. So you wouldn't think that that would be the response to it. But in a way, Mm. it makes complete sense. Yeah, yeah. And and I think it's really by design, right? So the the record is called Chardikala, which is the concept and practice in the Sikh community of ever-rising spirits or sort of a radical eternal optimism, right? Um, our community, like like many communities, has suffered a lot, right? Has faced a lot of oppression, a lot of violence. Um, and nevertheless, this there's this this idea that we always sort of remain determined, keeps our keep our heads up high, remain in high mm-hmm. spirits, right? That's this sort of spiritual obligation we have. It's an obligation and a commitment we make to ourselves, to the divine, to each other, right? And so that that's something that I grew up with. That's an idea that I've seen in practice in in my community. Um and I, I, I think it's just uh so important to center that right now. And when I think about why am I a musician, uh, it, it really it really comes down to Chardikala, right? So of course, uh, when I when I'm making my first solo record, I, I it it only makes sense to call it that, and and the title track be called Chardikala because when I think about what is the role of my music in the world, what what role do I want it to serve? Mm-hmm. That's precisely it, right? I I want it to lift our spirits and 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 keep us hopeful and determined in our struggles for social justice and liberation. And and that's not only something that I want to offer uh, to my listeners and audience, it's something that I'm trying to offer to myself as well, right? So my music is as much about uh, keeping my own head up high, right? 
right? And and grounding myself in these yeah. difficult times it is, as it is uh, for, for the folks that are listening to it. Uh, this, this idea of lifting spirits then uh, links with activism. Speaking of the uh, Kirtan, I mean, I would love for you to kind of talk with us, uh, share with us uh, a little more about it, because I feel like, you know, the, 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 some of these things we just don't know enough about. And I'd love yeah. for this podcast to also be about learning about these yeah. things from different parts of the world and different cultures. Yeah, so kirtan is a is a term that it, that we use in the Sikh community to refer to devotional music. It's a term that's ref, uh, used in other South Asian communities as well, referring to different forms of uh, devotional music. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, as I mentioned, it was my first musical outlet um, in the Sikh community uh, in particular. Uh, our scriptures uh, called the Guru Granth Sahib. Um, it's a it's a text of something like sixteen hundred pages of uh, poetry. It's all poetry, um, and each of these poems is meant to be sung. Um, so the Gurgaon Sahib actually before each of these poems or shabads as we call them, um, it actually specifies a rag, which is a, which is basically a mode, a, uh, ba- you know, based on a classical South Asian musical forms. Uh, many of these rags are are you know obviously ancient some of them aren't you, you kind of have to be a, a a sick musicologist to actually understand all these rugs um because many of them are not really used in contemporary uh classical uh south asian music um so i all this to say that's my disclaimer to say that i do not have that level of knowledge and expertise uh mm-hmm. so my compositions aren't necessarily based on the traditional rugs uh but they're based on sort of my like my own kind of uh interpretation and feeling that i get from uh from from the the words right so the words are meant to be sung you go into any gurdwara uh, sick house of worship in the world and the main thing that is happening when you walk in are musicians playing and singing music um and then the the sangat or the sort of congregation the community that is there uh is often is often singing along um so music is just so central to our way of coming together as a community um and of course that's not specific to our community our faith community at all uh, but it is something that i that i really cherish uh about being a sick right that music was sort of like baked into my spiritual identity uh from from childhood and for some reason, it took me a couple of decades to sort of uh, to sort of re uh, revisit that part of my uh, my myself uh, as a as a so-called professional musician now. Right. Um, and to take what I've what I've been learning the last uh, 10, 15 years as a touring musician and 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 sort of apply it to to uh, these very ancient and powerful texts. Does it have something to do then with the, uh, an autobiography of yourself? Because it seems like uh, if you started kind of thinking uh, or, or working on this type of music, very personal type of music, uh, in, let's say, as far back as 2018, and this album then emerges in 2022, it, it seems like there was, there was a, quite a, quite a lengthy process, right? It wasn't something yeah. that you just put out there for the sake of putting it out there. Absolutely. And of, and of course, I, I think without a global pandemic, this album would have come out uh, at least a year sooner, if not, if right. not more. But, you know, that 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 really slowed things down. Um, and I think and I think the other thing that slowed things down in a, in a really positive way was teaming up with uh, the producer of the record, my, my friend Will Dog Abers um, from the band Ozo Motley out of out of L.A. Because I, mm. I think, uh, you know, having a creative partner like that, working with a producer really helped me uh 
not hold back, right? Uh, I, I think I think for so many of us musicians and artists in general, we we have so many insecurities and imposter syndrome, and don't you know like. He just he just made sure we cut no corner, right? Um, so mm. his his vision for this music, he heard something in it that I think I didn't even hear myself, just in terms of how uh, epic it could actually be, right? So the the layers of instrumentation, orchestrations, um, I really have Will Dog to thank for for really pushing the envelope and and thinking big with this uh, with this record. Uh, and so of course that takes time, you know. I think there's 26 uh, musicians on the album. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because that 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 could that must have been something as well, you know, kind of assembling all of these yeah. different voices that we hear on this record. Yeah, and you know, almost everyone on the record is a I mean, I think everyone on the record is a friend of either mine or Wills or or both of ours. So, I'm just grateful to that community of extremely talented heartfelt musicians that that came together to to play on this but you know a lot of people were playing uh you know from their own homes some folks came to the studio in LA um Will Dog studio that we were primarily working in um and uh and I think the results are 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 really are really beautiful and 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 just so much stronger than than would have been had I tried to uh do this myself right Given, given, uh, you know, as we as we talked about, it's kind of like a big deal, you know, your debut album, and also something that's so personal and so close to to you on a personal yeah. level. Uh, do you feel like it has? Do, do you feel different in some way, or do you feel like it has definitely impacted your trajectory as far as your 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 artistic uh, journey is concerned, but also in perhaps your activism too. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's definitely changing me. Um, it has changed me already. And I think it will continue to, um, you know, it, in many ways, I feel like I'm just starting to scratch the surface of something here. Um, you know, I've I've been a band person for a, a very long time, right? I've been in I've been a member of Red Barat since the beginning of the band in 2008. Before that, I was in a in a band uh, called Outer National, um, and, and so I've always been drawn to to these collective kind of band formations, which I still am, uh, and and that's been really great and powerful and transformative for me and and many that have listened to our music. Uh, but I, I think there's also been uh, some of my own musical process and and journey that I've uh, that I haven't dug into enough just yet, and and this album has really been an opportunity for me to to do that. Um, and I think autobiography is a good word for the the musical sort of aspect of it, right? Like the the influences you hear musically in, in the record really kind of speak to my, uh, you know, my my life of musical influences and yeah. what kinds of music has impacted me and and my sound and who I am. Um, and uh, and yeah, and and, and bringing uh, you know ancient spiritual texts, Sikh and Sufi texts, um, sort of into these genres of music is, is something that isn't really, isn't really done. Um, yeah. and, and so I'm, I'm excited to explore it more deeply. Um, you know, through the live band, it's, it's taken on a whole new life as well. That, it, that certainly relates to the album, but it's kind of becoming its own, its own thing. Um, you know, we stretch out a lot more, we improvise a lot more, um, and and we get the audience singing along with us, right? Um, and so yeah. I, I feel like I'm just sort of scratching the surface of something here um, and, and, and really looking forward to seeing how it develops. And it sounds like it's going to be very, very exciting, Sonny. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. It's been a great pleasure talking with you. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me.
hope you enjoyed our conversation with Sonny Singh. His new album, Charity Kala, is available now. And I hope you will join me again next week for more globetrotting conversations on a new episode of Jazz's Travel. In the meantime, why not check out more of our excellent content on jazz and creative music at large on jazzis.com. That's our regularly updated website, and if you go to it, you get even more exclusive content and access to great articles when you subscribe, including our recently launched May 2022 digital magazine. Till the next time, this is Matt McCucci signing off. See you soon. <laughs>